Welcome to the Payments Podium Podcast, hosted by the payments professor himself, Kevin Olson. This podcast discusses the past, present, and the possibilities of the payments industry. Here's the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Payments Podium. And this is going to be part two of the discussion on electronically created images with David Walker. The last time that we had you guys on the show, you were listening in. You heard we were discussing where did ECIs come from? What's happening in the check world? Why are checks still being used? You know, billions of checks every year by businesses. And where really can we go? And the last time we were talking, David, you were discussing about how ECIs are really something that is not going to be that expensive of an investment. And I think you were saying it's because we already have businesses that they've got the check systems in place. We've already got the banking industry, the credit unions, they've got the check processing in place. It would just be a matter of them being able to create, I I think you said the directories and the controls to be able to then switch over to all ECIs. Is, Is that correct? Well, they don't need directories. That's one of the advantages of using the existing uh, check payment system is that today you don't use a directory to clear paper checks and you're not going to use a directory to clear ECIs. Uh, the, the payee knows, uh, the, the, has, the payer knows how to get in touch with the payee to make their payment. Uh, and so they'll simply send them an electronic item. There doesn't need to be a publicly accessible directory uh, in order to, uh, to facilitate this. That's one of the issues, Kevin, with the other kinds of payment options. It's one of the issues that needs to be addressed by faster payments is that need for a directory. But again, we're not going to go into that today. I I will say that your point that the investment that's required up front is small for businesses. Banks basically don't have to make any investment or minimal investment. And businesses have to make a very small investment, which involves taking data that already exists in digital form, reformatting it, and transmitting it to the, the payee. That's the only investment that they have to make in order to start using ECS. You can make other investments to do further enhancements, and you would do those if it made sense, but you don't have to. So is this really something that's worthwhile to businesses? So let's talk about that. So I'd said, that, I think, in part one, that uh, as of 2011, um, banks had fully implemented the exchange of image check images between themselves. And so 100% of the checks were already clearing electronically. If we had had full implementation of business use of ECIs uh, at the same time in 2011, since then, businesses could have already saved more than $200 billion uh, in just, from just B2B payments alone. And certainly they could use ECIs for, for more than just B2B payments. So there's a really big potential savings out there in terms of dollars. Uh, and uh, it doesn't take that much to get there. We're virtually there already. Wow. So with that, one of the arguments that we do here is, well, the, the check system, I mean, it's old. I mean, it, it, it's batch. It's, you know, it, it's paper-based. It's been around a long time. We want to do something that's new. We want to do real-time payments. Mm-hmm. Well, Kevin, we don't have any real-time payments in the U.S. that are in end-to-end real-time. The closest thing that we have to a real-time payment today is Fedwire, uh, and that's not end-to-end. So 
I can't simply send you a Fedwire. I've got to go through my bank to do that process. Uh, um, and so and I can't do a real-time payment today. And I certainly there are no ubiquitous real-time payments. Now, we're hearing a lot about faster payments and a lot about real-time payments, uh, as if faster payments as being promoted today are real-time payments. And in fact, they're not real-time payments. Uh, they look like they're real-time payments, and they look like they're real-time payments because as long as the two parties, and these are primarily consumers, not businesses, and again, our focus in part one, and I'll continue to make that the primary focus in part two is really on businesses, but consumers have to have accounts with the same provider. So we're familiar with uh, things like uh, PayPal and other organizations, Venmo and things and as long as we both have accounts with that same provider, we can do something that looks like it's real time. But you got to set it up first and you got to fund the account. And so that's not really real time. Well, and, and I like that you said that too. We make it look like it's real time. It is the appearance right. of it being real time. And I tell that to a lot of my friends and all too. They're like, hey, the money was there, then it was gone. How can they do that? And I was like, well, that's because they made the funds appear to be available to you, gave you access to right. them. But what's called settlement never took place. And it's, it's we call it a provisional thing. And we do that in businesses, too. It's provisional credit until final settlement. That's, a, that's exactly right. We could spend a good bit of time, Kevin, talking about um, the, the different options for that. And I listed one where both uh, parties have an account uh, with uh, the same other provider. You can do it with uh, other options where you don't. But that has a delay in the funding, which creates credit risk, which, again, I don't know that we need to get into that for this. So let's back up and let's talk about what makes a real-time payment system, a real-time payment system. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that there are two critical pieces of that that have to be in place. One of those is you have to have real-time posting. Now, what does that mean? Well, that means that when a transaction occurs against my account at my financial institution, you know, my financial institution needs to be able to reflect that in the balance in my account as that transaction occurs simultaneously or very nearly simultaneously. Well, our, for the most part, our, our, our bank uh, uh, posting systems are not able to do that. Now, for community banks and credit unions, a number of them do have, you know, real-time customer account posting processes. And so they're able to post to customers' accounts virtually simultaneously. The most of the banks across the U.S. Uh, well, I'll say this: the larger banks across the U.S. by and large don't have that option. They can't post in real time. They only post at the end of the day. Additionally, they only post a few days a week. They don't post seven days a week. And so even in the case where you have the credit unions and the community banks that are able to do real-time posting, they only do real-time posting on the days when their systems are up and running, not necessarily seven days a week, or as the Federal Reserve likes to say, 24 by 7 by 365. So that's the first criteria, is that you have to have real-time posting and we're going to be a ways down the road before our largest banks in the country are able to do, in fact, real-time posting. So as one of the prerequisites, we're not going to get to a real-time payment system for a while because of that, at least a ubiquitous real-time payment system. The second criteria 
really is a matter of when settlement occurs, and Kevin, you brought this up. Um, it, it's one thing to do real-time posting of the accounts, but if I'm moving money between two different financial institutions, there has to be a process to settle between those two financial institutions. And there are a variety of different ways to do that, but basically it me, means moving money out of one financial institution's account with Federal Reserve to a different financial institution's account at the Federal Reserve. So these are entries at the Federal Reserve. Well, the Federal Reserve is only available, I'll say it differently, Fedwire is only available uh, through the Federal Reserve for about 21 hours a day, not 24 hours a day, and not seven days a week, only five days a week. And so what the Fed needs to do is to implement a real-time settlement system that allows virtually instantaneous settlement between those FI accounts held at the Federal Reserve so that the money can actually be settled between the accounts 24 by 7 by 365. Well, we're a ways away from that yet. The Fed hasn't committed uh, that they're going to take that step yet. Um, uh, there are a number of us anticipating that they'll make an announcement this fall that that is their plan or their intent, uh, and hopefully they'll announce that that's their plan, but they haven't done so yet. So the point here is that we, we don't have the ability in today's environment to have, in fact, a real-time payment system. Therefore, ECIs won't be a real-time payment system, but that's really a spurious argument for not doing ECIs because there aren't any other ubiquitous real-time payment systems in the U.S. either. And so, so wait, ECIs, you say ECIs basically, if we're going to talk faster payments, could ECIs be considered to be a faster check payment system? Absolutely. As you know now, the check system uh, between the banks is very fast. Uh, most of those uh, those checks clear, uh, if not the same day, then certainly the latest the next day. Uh, and and um, I don't have current information on this, Kevin, but I can tell you that as of as far back as even two years ago, we were hearing from the largest banks that they were clearing well in excess of 80% of the checks same day they were deposited. Now, the, the community banks and the credit unions have had a little bit lower implementation uh, as of about two years ago, more in the 65% uh, range. I suspect that has progressed across time as well. So most of the checks already clear the same day they're deposited. So think about that. As an ECI, uh, as a business, I issue an ECI to the payee who is able to electronically deposit that. Well, since I'm going to electronically uh, transmit it to the payee, I can initiate that payment today, have it deposited today, and have it cleared today in my existing check system. And that's something that the industry is just doing on its own. That's not a mandate by any rule or regulation. That's really just something the industry has taken on itself, I guess you could say, and is doing on its own because they can that, that's correct. There are a number of providers that are beginning to offer um, a, a service that either is an ECI uh, or that it's really close to an ECI. And in some cases, what, what they're doing is having businesses create these electronic payments, but then we are artificially forcing those payments to be printed and then re-imaged 
then entered back into the system as if they had been originally printed as a piece of paper. But that's a pretty inefficient process and slows it down. Overlooking that, though, the point of my comment is that uh, ECIs can be very fast, faster than most other payments um, in the uh, in the U.S. Uh, and and in some cases, not only can you have the payment clear the same day, you can also have the settlement occurring between the FIs the same day, depending on the time of day the transaction goes through. Worst case is you get it the next day. That's a pretty fast payment, uh, and faster than most of the payments that we have um, in the U.S. already. So so basically, to, to really wrap this up, based on what you're saying, is businesses have been working with checks for years. Businesses already have got pretty much, not maybe 100%, but pretty much what they need established internally in their accounts receivables, account payables systems to be able to work with and process checks. Banks and credit unions already ready to be able to process these files as they are and send them on because they'd still be image cash letter files. The Fed, right. the clearinghouse, still able to process these files as they are. And it's just really a matter of we get more adoption of the electronic created image. Is that correct? Uh, that's correct. Now, we do need to have the rules in place to support it. So we need to do that so that we can make sure that we are managing the risk that might be created otherwise by sending through payments to the system that are undefined. And how do we get that done? I mean, that's the real big thing. When, what would it require in the industry? What do we need to get this to happen? I mean, really, what would be needed? What is necessary to get it to where this can happen, that we can get away from the paper and we can put in a solution that we know already works? Just let's eliminate it from paper and make it all electronic. Well, there's really two things that need to happen, and one of the first is we need to get the Federal Reserve to stop creating barriers against uh, the creation of this kind of an efficient payment that we're talking about. Uh, the Federal Reserve currently, uh, through its um, uh, operating circular three, uh, actually has a prohibition in place for these transactions to go through the Fed. That's a problem, uh, and the Fed is creating an artificial barrier that's denying these businesses that huge value that I talked about before, that would total in excess of $200 billion since the, the full implementation of Image in 2011. So we need to get that prohibition removed. And then we need to get the private sector to put in place uh, the, uh, the multilateral agreements, you can call them rules if you wish, the multilateral agreements. Uh, that defined uh, what these transactions are, and, and they would defend them as, as checks, basically, uh, uh, even though they might not conform to the Uniform Commercial Code's definition of a check, simply define them as checks, pull in all that law automatically uh, that we already have in place, and all that litigation, which is an important piece, uh, and, uh, and we could use that to allocate the liabilities uh, between the organizations. That's really what's required. And that is not a difficult process. As a matter of fact, I will tell you that in the ECHO organization, on two different occasions across the years, we actually developed um, a set of rules uh, to accomplish exactly that. Uh, they were, it was never um, uh, adopted by the organization, unfortunately, so it was never implemented. But it's not a difficult process, and that's really what's required, Kevin, in order to make that work. The, uh, the providers are already out there. Uh, mm -hmm. They're already uh, uh, doing these kinds of transactions. Uh, in many cases, artificially, again, 
forcing these electronic transactions to paper so they can image them so that they can satisfy the requirements uh, that the Federal Reserve has in place. All right. Okay. I want to think a little bit outside the box too, because, you know, we talked a little bit about real-time payments and faster payments. And one of the big things that is a selling point on real-time payments or supposed to be a selling point of real-time payments, but I do agree it is, is it's that format. It's that ISO 20022 format that allows for extensive data usage. Is there any way that maybe an ECI could be packed into that format and just sent across a real-time system? to be able to send the check images back and forth for even faster processing, or maybe even just sure, as an approval process? Sure, you, you could do that. That requires an additional investment up front, which is unnecessary in order to, to get the, the big value I'm talking about for businesses. So you could do that. That would further delay the process and, and make it more expensive and, and, and make it more difficult to get the return on investment that we've talked about that businesses are going to require. The other consideration, Kevin, that, we, again, we don't really have time to get in in this discussion is that if you're simply trying to force a check payment or a, a payment that would normally go through the check system that the businesses use, which is a debit payment, into one of these other faster payment options, which tend to be almost exclusively credit payments, you're talking about a host of other expense uh, the requirements um, and time requirements and difficulties in order to get those things implemented. And so we don't have to do those things in order to get the value we're talking about. Should we do those and put this through a similar system? Yeah, we could, but it's going to, again, uh, uh, increase the, uh, the level of difficulty and expense uh, to implement it. And so I think it's really unnecessary to do that and would be an unwarranted expense. Well, I want to get your opinion on this one, too, because I, I know how I answer this, and I'll give you my answer afterwards. But you even said uh, credits, all right? When we talk about real-time payment systems, uh, even around the globe, you know, they're almost all just credit push, credit push, credit push, because people want or are pushing more in the industry for credit push because they say there's more problems with debits. When you have debits, you have disputes. I, I believe there's disputes and credits sometimes, too. There'll be some that shouldn't have gone through. It's just going to happen. And when it comes to the debit side of things, you know, ECIs are still a debit instrument and there's some fear in, hey, it's a debit instrument. Well, how do you or why do you still want to use this? And what would you say to that, to people saying, well, we want to get away from debits, we want to go to the credits? Well, it's a good, it's a good discussion, uh, Kevin, and it certainly is uh, part of the reasons why the Fed has said that they have uh, not been supportive of this. Um, the, the position is that you think debits are less efficient um, and, uh, and and tend to be riskier. Uh, well, as I've described the efficiency process so far, I don't think we have any credit payments that's really any more efficient or much more efficient uh, than, uh, than this, uh, the way I've described ECIs. As it relates to um, to to risk, um, let's do a simple test. Uh, let's look at all of our payment systems and let's see what what the trends are for fraud and write-off. Mm -hmm. And if we look at the trend for that in check payments, the amount of write-off and fraud has been going down, going down faster than the decrease in the volume of checks that are being exchanged. The increase in risk in the other payments are all going up. And they're going up fairly rapidly. 
one of the big increases that folks have really been concerned about in the last few years is the risk from things uh, kind of generically called account takeover uh, transactions. These are all credit-based payments that are, that are allowing account takeovers to occur. Uh, and that is a growing problem with uh, write-offs, uh, and it's specifically with credit payments. Uh, and so it's not like credit payments are risk-free. There are, in fact, risks associated with credit payments. And again, we could do a couple sessions, uh, Kevin, on the risk associated with credit payments. And, mm -hmm. and one of the ones that I'm particularly interested in right now that you don't hear talked about uh, much is the risk created by the use of directories for credit payments. And directories are a requirement for, for credit payments. I'll, I'll have to get um, you back on the show for that one. I think that would be a great discussion. Yeah, that it, 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 if you're going to get to a ubiquitous credit push system, you're going to have to have directories, and directories are fraught with a, a number of potential problems, which can create risk, which get even more, uh, even greater as you uh, shorten the time period between when the payment is expected to be, when, when the payment is initiated and when it's expected to be received. If you're doing maintenance, real-time maintenance on your directory during that process. Uh, and that's the topic that simply isn't discussed very much at this point, but needs to be. Can we address those things? Yes, we can address those things. And so I'm not being you know, negative about their use. They're actually required. But we have to do the proper controls and the proper rules and regulations in order to, uh, to minimize uh, what would otherwise be a, a pretty significant risk. Well, so you know, my take on that too is that even though it is a debit instrument, the reality is we, I sometimes believe we get too focused on the exceptions, which there are some, but we forget and we lose sight of the fact of the millions of items that process without a problem and don't realize that this is a solution for those millions and millions of items that process without other problem. And no matter what the payment channel, no matter what the payment system, there will right. always be those exceptions. Uh, that's right. But, but let me mention a, a couple of other things uh, as well as it relates uh, to risk with, with ECIs. You know, we, we talk about the new different payment types and we talk about how we can use you know, new kinds of electronic controls and things to, to minimize the risk there. Well, we should talk about if we can apply those same new controls to enhance the check environment as well. And, and my my comment is, I think we can probably apply some of those and make the check system even safer than it is right now. One of the reasons why people say that, that credit payments are safer than debit payments is that a credit payment works first by taking the money out of the payer's account and then moving that money to the payee's account. A debit payment works by first depositing the money in the payee's account and then decrementing the balance uh, in the payer's account. Now, and, and that's where they're concerned that, well, there's risk because you don't know if the payment's going to be any good. Well, well, two comments on that. One is, as you take the time from being several days to clear a paper check to being able to clear a check same day, 
and, and even quicker, even instantaneously in, uh, in the future, then you diminish the risk that's created by the time differential because you've compressed the time. Mm-hmm. Additionally, and I'll just mention one one potential new control. What if when the ECI was initiated by the payer, that the payer actually communicated with its bank to let it know that that transaction had been initiated so that its bank can put a hold, I'll call it a hold, you may use some other mechanism, essentially a hold on those funds at that time. And so then those funds are going to be available when that payment comes through. And so you've taken away that risk of simply putting in a very simple, inexpensive process between the payer and the bank. And as a result, you basically made this almost a risk-free system. And you did it without having to make a huge investment in new directories, uh, changing the payment process from a debit to a payment, changing and reconciliation processes, uh, you know, all those different things that go along with credit push payments. Wow. Well, David, we're again to that point where we're starting to run out of time. Um, I've really enjoyed this conversation on ECIs. I think they are a great alternative to what the industry could use. I'm also a fan of there's a place for every payment and every payment has its place. But I would ask, uh, do you have any closing comments on electronic created images for our listeners before we uh, take you off the podium? Uh, yes, please, I really do. The, and the In closing, Kevin, I would simply say, because we've kind of wandered around here a bit over these two segments, I would simply say that the alternatives to ECIs for business payments have consistently failed the market acceptance test for more than 30 years. Most of the faster payment options available today or that are being discussed today have failed these payment types. And the reasons for the failure can be summarized, as we discussed in part one, as not providing a predictable return on the investment uh, in the transition from a paper check to uh, an electronic payment. ECIs offer a real opportunity for businesses to achieve an immediate positive ROI for electronic payments and stand to save tens of billions of dollars a year, every year ongoing. Wow, that is a lot. Okay, for all the listeners out there, this has been a couple of segments dedicated to electronically created images and items, and they are a huge area that is, well, somewhat available that's out there in the industry. And as you heard David say, we just really need to get some changes at the regulatory and the rules level, and this is something that can be easily implemented. I would love to hear any comments that you may have. You can, of course, email me, kevin at paymentsprofessor.com. If there are any other topics that you would like to have on the show. Also email me and let me know and I'll be glad to get those topics researched to get the speakers out there from the industry and get them involved. And if you as a listener would like to be on the show as well, just send me another email and let me know that you're interested in being on the payments podium. David, I thank you for being on the show and definitely look forward to talking about this subject and other subjects again in the future. Thank you for listening to the Payments Podium Podcast. Check back every Thursday for a conversation with the Payments Professor. This podcast is hosted and produced by Kevin Olson and edited by Sam Sue Smith. See you on Thursday.